1: and or content that some viewers may find offensive, the views and opinions expressed by any one speaker does not explicitly or necessarily reflect or represent those of Mark Ratlagedge or W2M network. Please listen with caution or don't listen at all. TV we don't want know we're dedicated yes. to our shows. Oh, my Everybody loves Scary dog. hello
0: darkness my old friend and welcome to tv party tonight i'm your host alexis Haina, and here with me is a very confused looking mark rattledge i'm sorry did i throw you for a loop with simon and Garf, Garfle Yodel, Garfunk? I, I can't remember how they pronounce it in this series, in the season.
1: Oh, that's why you're doing that. I thought we were walking over a, a bridge over troubled water.
0: No, I just couldn't resist that scene because that's actually one of my favorite did that scene moments take, of this season. Did
1: that teen, scene take place at the zoo? <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you a question. I know you do a lot of cooking, seriously. Um i know you do a lot of cooking at home you cook for your husband you cook for yourself mm-hmm. you know it's a part of a dietary thing you're trying to do better do you use a lot of parsley sage rosemary and thyme?
0: ground time
1: oh, fuck you all right <laughs> <laughs> what? no
0: ground time is the key ingredient in uh like my favorite uh chicken noodle soup recipe <laughs> i was
1: doing simon and garfunkel songs. i
0: know i know but i still <laughs> had to say something to shut you
1: up i know i did you figured out my weakness not going along with the gag <laughs>
0: well years of working with robert finally paid off (laughs) all right so despite that very disturbing opening there we are talking season two only murders in the building brought to you by let's see here there's actually a co- a decent amount of production companies here. So That's we got everybody
1: in the cast is a producer.
0: Pretty much everyone cast in like a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. So Disney, Hulu, Rhode Island Avenue Productions, another Hoffman Story Productions, 40th Share Productions, and 20th Television. So season two, of course, uh, picks up right where season one left off. We have the death of the board president and generally a very unlikable woman bunny and our three main characters charles oliver and mabel played again by steve martin martin short and selena gomez are the main suspects so uh like last time we're going to skip talking about this episode by episode because i don't think you guys just want to hear us say repeatedly oh that's funny oh that's funny oh that's funny yeah because that, that that's really the this is a great show it's very funny all of the actors are bringing their a game i know a lot of people don't like selena gomez because of her singing and if her style of music is not your forte if you're not into disney pop i get that but she is great in this and she, she is, oh, sorry. She, is well,
1: she, she is i wanted to jump in there but I could see where her acting would also grate on people's nerves because she kind of does a very flat affect delivery. Everything is she she comes across almost like a alien character in Star Trek, you know, the various types that have no emotions. You know, everything that happens to her is I don't want this to reflect I don't want my life to be all about my trauma. I can't believe you lied to me, Cara Delvine. You old men are pretty funny and pretty annoying. Turn page. I, it's it's just very. I I like her. I think because she's playing between Steve Martin, who's a wild and crazy guy, and Martin Short, who's you know just toning it down from Ed Grimley. You needed that third person in there. <laughs> you needed to be the hinge in that V. You need that hinge to be um, slightly less emotional and over the top. So I can see where her performance would annoy people, but I appreciate it because it balances between Steve Martin and Martin Short.
0: Absolutely, there's multiple times in this season where Charles and Oliver get completely sidetracked talking about something. There's one episode where uh, they're climbing all the stairs of the Arconia and uh, Oliver goes into this hole. It's like, "Oh, I just got my knees done. I get like I need a break." And Charles is like, "I got my knees done." And they start talking. They got the state their knees done by the same guy, and they start talking about it. And Mabel's just like, "Focus, people!" And again, that happens a lot, and it's really funny, and it works well because that's the kind of thing you would see. You'd see these two old men suddenly just start prattling on about something completely different. And it Mabel's makes me
1: just wonder. How... Go ahead. It makes me. It makes me wonder how much of this is ad libbed.
0: That's a good point. I mean, this is a very smartly written show, but we are dealing yes. with two actors specifically mm-hmm. who are known as comedic geniuses and know how to at improv and run with it.
1: I was so, gonna say, have you ever seen, like, Steve Martin or Martin Short's old, like, 70s stand-up? It's fucking oh, great. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, Steve Martin doesn't get – because everyone knows Steve Martin from when he made the jump to from stage to screen, you know, with like All of Me and The Jerk, a classic – um three amigos three amigos hey his Um. (laughs) his
0: appearance on the muppet show is still one of my favorite all-time episodes i love good well it's a great episode too Mm -hmm. because what they do is they actually stage it like kermit forgot that they were supposed to be hosting uh uh, auditions for new talent and steve still came in and he's like what i don't get to be on the show so he ends up auditioning for them and doing various acts
1: and I don't even think people, like, in 2022, I don't even know how many people remember, like, the old 80s Steve Martin jerk era of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, like you know, the, the Steve Martin, the early Steve Martin stuff, he was biting and satirical, kind of angry. And then he makes, you know, he makes these movies and, be, and then he gets a little bit older. And now he's doing Father of the Bride because that's what everyone knows him for. Oh, he's the Father of the Bride guy. Great um, movie. It, no, it, yeah. But, like. I would say if you ask any if you ask any youngin, if you ask any, what are they called now? Zoomers, Z- Zillennials? Istanbul, not Generation Z. Just sure. just call them
0: Generation Z. I don't my age is showing. Okay, I just turned 38.
1: <laughs> um wait till you hit your forties and your whole body falls apart. Um, it already has. Well, then you're doomed. <laughs> um ask anybody in their 20s right now, what do you know Steve Martinez? Oh, he's the guy and father of the bride. I think that's the only answer you'd get. I don't even think people know who Martin Short is. You know, Martin, like Martin Short, I think, entered the cultural uh, conversation with Ed Grimley. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's what people know him as, but like he had a fairly early movie career as well. Like I, I can still remember him being in inner space and screaming, I'm possessed. Um, but to get back to what we're talking about in terms of performance, well steve martin in this one gives a more subdued performance than um anything he's done in like roxanne or the jerk or any of those movies where he's he can go from uh he can go he can be very physical with his comedy you know with his body and it's like he's not like a chris farley type where he's like an odd shape or like heavy man but i would say steve martin did a fair bit of physical comedy in his time certainly martin short did
0: yeah, absolutely. His earlier stand-up, he was extremely physical with it. A very John Cleese, Ministry of Silly Walk style. If I, Yeah,
1: me. a lot of waving of the arms in and out of yeah, the Yeah, exactly, which of course sting. I don't think
0: he can quite do anymore because <laughs> of, uh, you know, the studio will only ensure those new <laughs> knees for so much.
1: He's in his 70s. I'm going to let him be stiff. Um, so, but, I, but again, just to round this back so we can move this forward, if you have Two really good classic stage performers like Steve Martin and Martin Short. You're you're even at their um you know their silver age. You still want them to you still want that from them. You don't want Steve Martin and Martin Short, especially the Martin Short, to be static. You want them to get you know to really go for it. That's why they're there. So you need a Selena Gomez to balance that out, or or it's just to you know the funny thing you brought up Three Amigos. The funny thing about Three Amigos was um. They were all, you know, they had like Steve Martin had to kind of play the straight man because he's there with Chevy Chase and, and Martin
0: Short. Yeah. And
1: Martin Short. Yeah. I, I, you said it. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. It's Martin Short. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that third amigo? Oh, yeah. Um he's
0: staring at us. He's in the background <laughs> of the picture. We, we, we've we cut off Selena Gomez's face but there's Martin Short just staring into our soul.
1: No, we're infamous. That means we're more than famous. Um, <laughs> now remembering his lines. But, like, Steve Martin kind of had to play the straight man because you have fucking Chevy Chase, who, who was known for throwing himself down flights of stairs, and Martin Short, who is this over-the-top silly comic. Um, there's always has to be, in, you know, in a classic comedy structure, there always has to be that one guy holding it all together, or one gal, and yeah. that is Lena Gomez here. The
0: anchor, the straight man. Right. Yeah. Comedy, wor- comedy works if they're... Comedy needs someone to suffer. Com- that there there is right. that is the truth. Comedy works because someone is suffering. You need someone there who is basically going, "Why am I being forced to deal with this?" Right. And that is you Selena know. Gomez in this. She is watching these two old men suddenly prattle on and get hyper, and she's just like, "How has this become my lot in life?" She <laughs> yeah. loves these guys, and she will stick with them to the very end.
1: Much, much like my daughter, she has to spend most of the series throwing a paper bag over her head, going, "I'm so ashamed."
0: Oh, By your way, daughter's now becoming
1: Sylvester Junior. Well, remember when you made that comment? Well, I shared that with her. I was which, like, "Hey, wait, which comment you... did I make?" You were like, "You need to get a TikTok of your daughter of like." Any, any, you need to end your TikToks of anything you do with your daughter throwing a paper bag over her oh, head, going, "I'm God, so I ashamed." I
0: said that. I
1: shared that with her. That is Jonas's new thing. You're like anytime something happens, he just hands her a paper bag.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am, have, I am have influencing your children. Oh, yes! absolutely, they
1: are running between that and an hour back. My wife, you know, this is why she dates. um She has to get the fuck away from all of us. <laughs> I we we uh, real quick. We had a conversation on friday i was not in a great mood and i was like can you please tell me anything positive and and she's kind of going through all these things and she takes a break for a minute and then she's like i want to tell you about some of the things that you've influenced and she's going through this list of stuff and she goes oh and by the way your t- children will still randomly shout our back at me so thanks for that <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Rattle broadcasting network destroying the next generation, one podcast at a time.
1: Rattle Broadcasting Network slowly slowly causing women over thirties a stroke. One one woman at a time. All right. Hey, I
0: still can't believe you haven't given me a stroke at this point.
1: <laughs> still working on it.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. So and yeah, like I, I do appreciate Martin Short is the ball of energy in this group, but the fact Mm -hmm. is that he has toned it down quite a bit. I I love Martin Short, but his last few movies and TV shows, I mean, I'm just going to say it, not a fan of the Jiminy Glick era. Oh,
1: God. And I I hate Jiminy Glick.
0: Yeah, it was too over the top. It was too Mm -hmm. out there. It was too just, again, bouncing off the walls with the guests on his show being the anchors, so to speak. And that's never been the style of humor that I really like. It's just right. Martin short is a, v- a hilarious man. I think I mentioned this in the last podcast. One of the few regrets I have in this life is missing his performance as Leo Bloom and the producers with Jason Alexander as Max Bialystok. Yeah.
1: You know, him and Steve Martin, I think are touring.
0: Get out. Really?
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll, well, we, we, I can show you after the show. Awesome. Um, yeah. Steve Martin and uh, Martin short. Um, and Nathan Lane too. Nathan Lane's in this. You know, so he was a big part of season 1. He shows up a couple of times here in season 2. This is just sort of another example of how this cast has has people has actors that can really go for it but keeps them a little more subdued. And that's kind of the beauty of this show is that every is that it kind of takes it to the line of going over the top and then goes that's not that sh- this is not that show. So we'll so we're going to let these actors who are brilliant. This is a brilliant cast. These With one two, exception. Who?
0: Who the hell brought Amy Schumer in for this season?
1: Oh, you're so mean. Why are you bullying that woman? She's not funny. She was great here. She didn't get she they didn't give her that much to do. She played an ass. Amy Schumer can play an asshole woman really well. And she that's what they asked her to do here and she did it fine. What is your problem?
0: I still hold a grudge against her for her comment about animation at the Oscars.
1: Okay, your personal grudges with actors does not change their performance in any way, shape, or form.
0: Sorry, I am genuinely not a fan of Amy Schumer. I feel (laughs) like her entire gimmick is that she knows that she is not the most attractive woman in the world, but she's going to flaunt and act like she's the most attractive woman in the world.
1: I think she's cute. But that's neither here nor there. My point is everybody, everybody in this cast is a brilliant professional actor. I'm making a point of saying that because we talk so much between uh, TV Party Tonight and Damn You Hollywood, we talk a lot about how we don't like Hellraiser, for example, didn't have the world's greatest cast. You know, it was like sea level at best. So every once in a while when you watch, you know, especially us, <laughs> given the muck and mire that we tend to trade in when we watch something with with a all professional, all brilliant cast. And I when I want to be specific about this. Actors know, you know, Robert made a comment of it's not that you tilted the camera. You have to know why you tilt the camera, when to tilt the camera. Actors know when to go for it. We, professional, it's more than just line readings. It's more than just inflection. It's more than tone. It's you, you have to know when to do something, when not to do something. And that is the art of collaboration with a director who says, yes, go for it here. No, 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 control yourself. Damon Wayans there yes, do this accent here, no, don't do it there, that kind of a thing. When you have a cast that you can trust and give a little latitude to, you can really create some really wonderfully entertaining art. Only Murders in the Building is that show. I I, I can't say enough glowing things about it, about a show that we typically don't, the kind of show that we typically don't cover on this network. No one's hitting anybody else over the head with a sword or punching in a hallway.
0: <laughs> Pretty much. Still remember when they first announced the show on Disney Plus Day years ago, mm-hmm. and they just announced that they were doing a new sh- a t- comedy called Only Murders of the Building with Steve Martin and Martin Short, and it was one of the notes I wrote down because you told me to take notes on what was being discussed that day, and I was the only person on the network to watch the entire thing, including all the notes on the stockholders crap. <laughs> still waiting for that half hour of my life to get back to me and i wrote it down and i thought oh this sounds interesting and i mentioned it to you and it didn't really go anywhere because we were all too busy talking about the announcement that we were getting a fantastic four movie and they weren't going to replace chadwick boseman as um yeah. black panther and then when the trailer dropped for this i'm like oh yeah oh my god we need to watch this
1: all right so we're gonna talk about first
0: all right so okay so like i said that we're not going to talk about this episode by episode we have a lot of returning cast we got a lot of new cast we get and thank you by the way for pronouncing her last name because i actually never get it right Cara Del- delvine delvine yes comes I- in as a new character uh, her name is alice banks she is a owner of an art gallery and she is mabel's love interest and may i just say i freaking love the comment from one of the uh, fans of their podcasting. It's like, I like that Mabel's dating a woman this season. Very progressive. It's just like, <laughs> thank you, studio notes.
1: Yeah, that wasn't meta at all.
0: <laughs> the show gets ridiculously meta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I said, I called it the minute that I saw her at the gallery and saw what she did. Is like, she's going to do something stupid as an art project with this tragedy, and the when she and when Mabel walks into the studio and sees a guy dressed as Tim Kono with the gunshot wound, mm-hmm. and Alice taking pictures of a woman dressed as Bunny bleeding on the carpet, it was just like, "Yep, called it."
1: Yeah, the show plays with misdirection a lot. The finale and we don't need to get too into it until you're ready to talk about it, but like the finale where they misdirect one way so they can get the one person to come out and admit that, you know, it was them. It was me. It was me, James. I was the author of all your pain. Um, I was like, okay, um, look, she's a pretty gal and she gives a, she gives a fine enough performance and what role she's given. What's like Amy Schumer that I, I I accepted her as part of,
0: More than once, actually. Do I have to say?
1: Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, this part of of the menagerie. But, you know, other than that, I was like, okay. You know, this is – it's funny – Only Murders in the Building plays a lot with conventional mystery structure, but as I said about uh, Smile, playing with conventional structures is fine. That's how you win over a general audience when you do it well.
0: Definitely. Definitely. And yeah, she gives a pretty good performance considering that her most prolific role, I could be wrong, but I believe her most prolific role other than this was playing Enchantress in that god awful Suicide Squad movie before James Gunn came in and said, let a professional show you how it's done, folks.
1: I'm not I'm not blaming that on her.
0: No, I'm not either. I'm (laughs) blaming that on a horrible director. Yeah. And I can call him horrible because then I watched that movie Bright that he did for Netflix, and I seriously, oh my god, I just wanted to like throw something at the TV. I hated that movie so much. Okay, it's like you got Will Smith to say fairy lives don't matter. Screw you. Uh
1: huh.
0: Wow, it's a good thing you put the disclaimer up this time. <laughs> okay, so we also get more of Tina Fey as Cindy Canning, who. Ooh.
1: Tina Fey this time. Like I really like Tina Fey as an actress. I know that you know if you're if you're slightly to the right of anything, you're supposed to hate Tina Fey and everyone that looks like her. I like Tina Fey. I thought of all the weekend anchors of the past twenty year weekend um, live anchors of the last past twenty years. I thought her and the other blonde headed broad. You Amy, know,
0: um, polar. No, and not Amy, Pol- polar. Amy polar. Yeah, Amy I polar. get her and Amy. I mix up her and Amy Sedaris' names all the time for some reason.
1: I, I always thought Tina Fey was the smarter, less annoying version of Janine Garofalo. Like, Ooh, I, I I could see that. Yeah, I I enjoyed her, as unfair as I thought it was at times. I enjoyed her Sarah Palin. I, I've always I've always liked Tina Fey. I, I don't always agree with her point of view, but who gives a shit? She's an actress and a comedian. I don't have to. Um, and I I I think for the kind of characters that she tends to play, given her you know traditionally nerdy look. I think she does a hell of a job here um tina fey is kind of she was she was an annoyance in the first season she sort of gets elevated this season to like villain
0: yeah they we genuinely think for a while that she mm-hmm. is actually as the as the as our main character is called the criminal mastermind and we find All out right. she's done some very disrespectful things To elevate her career,
1: it's alluded that she's in league with Michael Rappaport. I fucking love Michael Rappaport. Detective Krebs. And and look, and not to turn and and not to do a thing that me and Jesse tend to do with the wire go, hey, remember when, remember, Um, but hey, remember when (laughs) Michael Rappaport was in higher learning and he's crying at the end of that movie about, I just wanted to be an engineer. I don't think Michael Rappaport gets the credit that he deserves for being a really good actor.
0: He does play the dirty cop insanely well. He even nails just... There's something about his accent. He's got a very mm-hmm. good New Yorker accent, but it's well, a...
1: He sounds like a moron.
0: Yeah, it's not mm. just a New York. It's a New mm. Yorker. I haven't... Hey,
1: fongo. you know what I'm trying I to tell you? Here. Yeah, hey, he really you, amps up you know? the
0: cartoony aspect of it.
1: Yeah. And it, I it, love that. But if you ever actually hear him talk, he's not that, he's not that much of a goomba. You know? well, obviously he,
0: he's an actor.
1: Right. And so he so like he knows when you hire Michael Rappaport, you know what you're getting. You know, you know what like tools he's bringing to the project. Mm-hmm. And that is and he gives you what. He gives you what you're paying him for. Keep going. I'll be right back.
0: All right. And yeah, I am going back. Tina Fey in this season is it's interesting because she is not an actress that you see playing. Well, a bitch. Very often. She usually plays very likable characters. And even if they are not, you know, just on text paper likable, there's still a great charm to them. Cinda Canning is amped up this season to be a nightmare. She is just so unbearable. I mean, I, I love that she actually tells her assistant to get every piece of cilantro out of her salad. And then she's like, I want a sandwich. And it's like, no tomato, no bread. I just want turkey on tinfoil with bread on the side. And I'm 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 a picky eater. And even I'm going, okay, that's a new level of WTF right there. So I I absolutely love just the sp- spitefulness and hatefulness that Tina Fey brought to that role especially again since this is not the kind of character that she usually plays but every second you hear her voice and every second she's on screen you want to just slap this woman
1: she has a an exchange with uh the woman who spoilers will inevitably end up being the killer this season and uh who's her assistant the name escapes me right now but she's poppy (laughs) <laughs> yes my favorite bagel what do you want um <laughs> great line yeah that, that is a classic line but uh the, she's talking to her about something and, and i think poppy is like trying to confront her and it's of course she's deflecting and, and pushing her off and she's telling a story about somebody else as this cast is wont to do martin short that's like half his dialogue is telling stories about somebody else and tina fey just kind of punctuates it with yeah that woman was really was a cunt And then saunters, (laughs) just saunters out of the room. And you're like, oh, that hurt me. That, yikes. Tina Fey can have some very biting delivery.
0: Definitely. Can't help but feel they took a little bit from her role as 22 in Soul and added a bit of that flavor into this. Mm -hmm. Just, I still remember that line until it's like, I'm going to make you wish you were never born. (laughs) Not to, I, I just love how completely over the top they made her celebrity status mm-hmm. this is a woman who we actually get a brief look at her schedule when poppy is organizing everything and she's got underwater pilates mm. and she gets a vocal massage yeah you know, it's just I, I i you look at someone itself and it's like who comes up with things like this where does this kind of stuff come from
1: Yeah, no there's my schedule
0: Well, your schedule is dealing with a lot of us. So, you know, we always pray for your soul. (laughs) Hey, hey, look, there's
1: November. (laughs) Yep. It's color-coded.
0: Lighting a candle for you, pal. (laughs) I'm not Christian, and I'm lighting a whole cathedral worth of candles
1: for you. That schedule either attracts women or repels them. There's no in-between. There's definitely a lot of, like... Oh my god, you're so hyper organized. I love that. Or oh my god, you're so hyper organized. Get away from me, you psycho!
0: <laughs> you have to be hyper organized. You're dealing with the collective nut jobs that work on this network.
1: It is hard to run a cult without a schedule.
0: Oh, we're a cult now.
1: Have you, have you not been to the latest meeting where we decided this?
0: I'm sorry, I missed the minutes.
1: Okay, we'll who's you. taking we'll...
0: minutes? Yell at them.
1: <sighs> you don't take minutes at a criminal conspiracy shamrock. Um.
0: They took minutes in this show.
1: <laughs> they did.
0: So we get a couple of really clever. The, the One of the things I like about the show is that it's not the same pattern and style for every single episode. They do mm-hmm. experiment. I think we agreed one of our favorite episodes last season was the one that was taken almost entirely from Theo's perspective. Mm-hmm. And it is done entirely without dialogue. Very clever. This one, we get a couple of different ones. Firstly, we get an episode where we go through Bunny's last day on Earth, and our main cast are barely in this episode. It is done entirely seen through Bunny's eyes as we see her last day on Earth and what she did, who she met with, all the things she did. Her decision to not retire and move to Florida, her decision to stay on as board president. I, you know, I love the little bit when she gets off the elevator, and when the elevator has stopped, the air, the air conditioning mm-hmm. has stopped, and she manages to get it working. But the it, it just for a few minutes. You're in a in an elevator with a couple other people. One of them is panicking. I, I don't think they confirmed it, but I'm pretty sure uh, Charles has claustrophobia based on his reaction there. Mm-hmm. And she gets off and she says, you know what I just realized? I hate the heat. And just that, just a few minutes in that hot elevator. And she's just like, why would I want to move to Fl- You live in Florida. Why would somebody want to live in Florida if they can't be in a hot elevator for less than a minute?
1: The Nor'easters mostly, but go on.
0: But again, it's really <laughs> great one. You, you get a little, and again, Bunny is a very unlikable woman. You know, we saw so much of her in the first season where her main Plot line was she hated our main characters, she hated their podcast and the attention abroad, and she was working to get all three of them
1: evicted. Right, which is why you needed an episode this season, so that you, as the viewer, are not left with a who cares that she died feeling. The whole the whole thing, this whole show is structured like a pulp mystery novel. Mm-hmm. And if you as a reader, if you don't have some connection to the victim you're going to spend this entire book wondering why you care about who killed her other than you just want to know there has to be something there has to be more investment in the victim so to and when all you got in the first season with a an you know she's an old nasty broad who's trying to get our heroes thrown out of the building and it seems unfair you have to spend some you have to do some repair work essentially So they spend an entire episode and by the end of it, you're like, oh, she you, you see things from her perspective. You feel somewhat sympathetic for her. But then you're also given an opportunity to see things from Nina's perspective. And there's your first misdirect, because they start pointing the they start pointing the camera at Nina as the murderer. And then so when the next episode comes and they're dealing with kind of looking at her and seeing how all of that ends, there's that flow. There's that connection from Bunny to Nina and then from Nina to the next thing. It's, it's one of the things that makes the writing of this so strong is that they know that there has to be enough connective tissue that it, it's not, you know, so, some shows get away with sort of the cheap uh, cliffhanger ending to keep you going like, you know, bingeable shows the structure is leave them hanging at the end of the next episode. So they'll leave the stream, the streaming channel on for hours at a time. That's why Netflix drops all their episodes at once. Uh, they want you know, there is money to be had in the amount of time at once a a viewer stays on a, a channel. So, if you like do like me and you wait for all the episodes to drop because Hulu drops them weekly, uh, you wait for all the episodes to drop, um, and you binge it, the every episode should end with, oh, I need to watch the next episode, I can't just turn this off now, which is very effective, by the way, because I know with Orange is the New Black, that I, I started watching that at eight o'clock at night and binge the. I, one of the seasons, and binge that to like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. I did not sleep.
0: Oh, I've done that several times. More often than not, trying to binge something for you.
1: Blow me. Anyway. Um...
0: Qu- real quick, I want to go back to Bunny and her ca- and her yeah. influence on the season. But real quick, there is something that's been bugging me about Nina. So we find out Nina is the new board president. Right. And she's apparently even oh, God, more... I feel-
1: I thought they were gonna tiger mom her. It, she was gonna be like one of these just uh, un God, that's what I'm looking for. It's just unbearable, unbearable, overbearing fucking Asian women. You know, like because that's now a big stereotype. Is every Asian person on TV is either a ninja or an overbearing monster. You know what is <laughs> they, Again, tiger mama,
0: tiger mama.
1: Yeah, no, I thought the that they were I- going with her.
0: The thing I never quite understood is that it. they find out in an early episode that she, as board president, is going to do an addition to the Arconia, and we see the picture of it, and it's some kind of – it looks like a glass blimp
1: mm-hmm.
0: on top of it. I cannot fathom what the hell that was and what the plan was and how that was going to you know, reflect on the Arconia, what it was mm-hmm. going to do for the Arconia what it was what the purpose was D- did you have any idea
1: what that was look it was we're going to change this ancient building that's what it was you know yeah. it, it's you have the nice thing about this show is that it can touch on things it doesn't necessarily have to spend a lot of time exploring them but it, it does bring them up and there, and there is a consternation between conservatives and progressives not necessarily politically but definitely in terms of this group of Nya wants things to change and this group of a wants it to stay the same and there are equally, uh, there are equal arguments on both sides for why that might be uh, a good idea one way or the other. But it, it, everyone kind of commits to it with religious zealotry. No, 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 keeping things the same as the way things should be, and we should never progress, and we should leave things alone, and don't change my building. I don't like change. And then there's, you know, the other side with religious zealotry going, we should uh, mow it all down and build a car park and an amusement park, and why can't we get into the future? And my gosh. There's so much, there's so much out there that we could take advantage of, and yet you people remain in the dark ages, and they are at loggerheads, and that is all that was about. It didn't really matter. Like if you're asking me like the, spe- the specificity, I couldn't even tell you what it was because it's not, it's not an important detail. The detail is in Nina and Bunny not being, you know, coming to a head over whether or not the Arconia should evolve or not.
0: All right, well, going back to Bunny, uh, other than her flashback appearances, she is also with us, or rather, the actress Jane Howdy if I'm pronouncing that right, is with us with a new character, Mrs. Gambolini.
1: <laughs> she was great. That, I, <laughs> that that woman is every woman I knew in Long Island, down to the hair. Oh, <laughs> Mrs. You're Gambolini the was the parent. I'm sorry, I, I thought you were talking about the, the thinner woman. Um, the, the thinner elder woman who was friends with Bunny. Yes, the parrot. Sorry.
0: Oh, you're talking about Uma. Yeah. 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 Uma takes over as most annoying tenant <laughs> at the Arcadia this season. She is horrible every time the, our characters come in she's like oh look it's the murderers you want to go talk to them they're the ones who probably killed bunny she's just so she plays it with so much disdain and it's really enjoyable they just, just how venomous
1: she is they just got her from one of my old sons of italy picnics back in 1989 just plucked her out of time and said here read this dialogue okay
0: but yeah i love the idea that it's, bunny had this parrot mrs gambolini Mm -hmm. and all of her years of insulting the tenants that's all this i i just love the idea of this bird coming the, I, i've heard so many times about this story about a, a parrot ending up in a bur- in a pet shop and it's like yeah the owner died this pair i mean parrots live for so long it's like this parrot has probably changed hands a couple of dozen times and the parrot is spouting horrible stuff and this pet store owner's just like i don't know who to blame for this this parrot has seen so much crap i don't know this parrot probably saw when the germans marched into frick in france
1: (laughs) yep the parrot's really funny hey um one of the things that happens in this uh season is we get to see the stepdaughter
0: yes we get an appearance of lucy this is charles stepdaughter from a previous marriage she is kind of run away from home it's implied it's not outright said she got into a huge fight with her mother uh on the night of her mother's fifth Mer- yeah. wedding, I think Something that like she that. says she's got five five dads, I think is the mm-hmm. term. So I'm assuming that's where that falls in. And there is just a wonderful bit between her and Charles because when she first comes in, I was really afraid they were gonna play her off as the too cool for you stepdaughter that they were gonna say it's like I just need a place to stay. Can I just stay here? Cause that's so cliche. But no, she mm-hmm. genuinely loves Charles. And she openly says, like of all the dads I've had, you're easily my favorite. She's very close to him. She misses being with him. When he starts singing uh, the song that he, you know, sang to her as a child, she smiles. When he says he's going to make her her favorite omelet, he starts throwing her pepper. She smiles. And she becomes very, very crucial to the investigation. Because she's the one who who knew about all the secret passages. She used to play in these uh, when she and the uh, other kids in the building played hide and seek but there is a lot of drama there because we find out that we, Charles just texts her out of the blue in the first season and you think there's some animosity and bad blood between them it turns out Lucy's mother told him flat out you're not allowed to contact my daughter so I, I just yeah, yeah. i needed uh, to go ahead.
1: yeah i needed to react to that because Uh, I watched that episode, I think either yesterday or the day before, and um, I was in a good mood. Um, Made some changes to my personal life. Um,
0: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: And, you know, the first two days of work this week were really solid. I was in a good mood. Things were going really well. So just give you my state of mind when I'm watching this episode and it hit me like a, like a punch in the face, the the exchange of dialogue that triggered me was her talking to him in the kitchen. And she was like, you know, eight years is a long time not to hear from someone, something along those lines. And Steve Martin looks back at her sort of forlorn, you know, just without words and finally just mutters out. I didn't think I was allowed instantly burst into tears. Like, sobbing like had to turn the episode off and needed to shake it off like i inconsolable crying and the reason it hit me so hard was because i knew i know how steve martin felt that i knew how charles charles, is the name charles of the yeah yeah i know charles felt in that moment um you know i was telling you before and i don't not not to get into anything too specific or too personal, but this has not been a great year for me. There were some significant personal changes that I've talked about on other shows, and it's not really related to what we're talking about, so I'm not going to get into it, but it was related enough to where when I was telling people about some of these personal changes, a lot of the reaction I would get was, why don't you just leave? Why don't you walk out of your marriage and you know, um, you'll know, you see your kids you know, share custody and all of that. And know my, my biggest fear in life is not anything necessarily related to my marriage it's that i won't be close enough to my children i don't want to be steve martin looking across from my daughter and having to say i didn't think i was allowed to talk to you that's worse than anything the idea of it worse than anything that has happened to me this year worse than anything that's happened to me in the last five years and i need to remind everyone nearly died of cancer twice. So, um, I can't imagine being the parent whose control and ability to access their children is um, uh, taken by their spouse or their partner or whatever, and you're made to feel like you can't see your children for one reason or another, or you legally can't see your children. This shit can get ugly, real bad, real fast. Not Worth it to me. Um, not worth anything. Not whatever bad I've suffered this year. It's not worth even the idea of entertaining or entertaining the idea that I could be Steve Martin, Charles, look across from my children and go, "I'm sorry, I didn't think I was allowed, or I actually wasn't allowed to contact you." And I <laughs> lost it. Just lost it because I know just in general how that might feel. You know, I the idea of like you want to be there, you want to be there for someone, and you're feeling like you just can't, for whatever the reasons are, that is that breaks my heart. So even if I didn't have necessarily have like a personal um, relation to it, I think just being generally empathetic to the idea, uh really hurt it really hurt it hurt and it, it was such a weird thing because that show doesn't necessarily the show doesn't evoke that kind of reaction it's not that kind of a show there they, there are moments here um there's moments with mabel and the the deaf kid from the first season that i think are poignant um later on there's there's a subplot with martin short um getting a dna test see whether or not he's the father of uh of his alleged son turns out he's not nathan lane is and it's the product of an infidelity and when the son says to him, "Like if you're not my father, I don't know who is," because over the course of this season, there's a little bit of consternation between the son and Martin Short, but not a tremendous amount, and even that gets resolved. At the it's end. nowhere
0: near as bad as it was in the first season,
1: right?
0: No, this they've clearly buried the hatchet over their over Martin Short's money troubles from the first season, and yeah, it gets started because uh, what's his name Will has to do a uh, DNA test as part of his son's ancestry project Mm -hmm. for school. I think it is. And there is something admirable to uh, Oliver's reaction to it, to finding out that, no, he's not the father, but wanting to hide that from Will. I Mm -hmm. I absolutely love the line. I'm so Greek. I could declare bankruptcy and no one in the world would help me.
1: (laughs) Ha message. Because Creek went bankrupt and the world said, <laughs> that happened. Yeah, um, to go back to like, the show has poignant moments and just wrap on my own thing. You know, when the son says to Martin Short, like, oh, you know, if I don't know, if you're not my dad, then I don't know what a dad is. And they hug and, you know, and that whole minor subplot is resolved. It was a nice moment. It, it didn't cause me to fucking cry, though. Martin Short and Lucy did. So I just wanted to share um. that.
0: But each of the characters do go through their own arcs in this. We mm-hmm. have Charles getting invited. Basically, the mm-hmm. infamy of his uh, podcast has sparked interest in a reboot of the TV show that he was famous for, Bravo's. Mm-hmm. But he finds out that he's not going to be the lead. He's going to be Uncle Bravo's. So they brought in yeah. this new character.
1: Look, it, here's the thing. It was it's again. I kind of relate this back to Smile and just like typical TV tropes. It was very much like, hey, we're going to bring you in and just utterly humiliate you. Everything is going to be bad. You're going to be in a wheelchair. You're going to have dementia. You're only here because of the nostalgia factor. And oh, no, by the end of the show, you're wonderful and you're out of the wheelchair and you don't have dementia anymore. And it's like, oh, my God.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think we like to call that the Robert Downey Jr. and Ally McBeal uh, clause. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: like It's like we need to make absolutely sure that if you end up going to jail, we are not riding ourselves
1: into a corner. Well, it was just so. Here's the thing if you watch enough television and you pay attention to this stuff and you talk about it as much as we do, it comes across as just a smidgen contrived. I was literally waiting, you know, I, I made the joke last night about you know, Halloween, you know, like there is just sometimes the way things end and are wrapped up too neatly that you expect hummingbirds and doves to fly out. And
0: yeah, clouds depart, sun to shine
1: on them and a rainbow in the background and chains are falling off. Like, come on enough.
0: Yeah. But then we get Steve Martin in a wheelchair going (laughs) soap.
1: yeah
0: <laughs> yeah. so we got that we've got oliver dealing with his you know the question of let, let's get Mori Mori povich out here are mm. you the daddy
1: i think one of the more poignant subplots of the show dealing with specifically with steve martin besides him and his daughter was him kind of confronting and there's a, there's threads of this throughout the entire show everyone's con- confronting some sort of trauma that they've had um so you have steve martin kind of dealing with the trauma of what happened with his father and it coming out through like the investigation of the painting that he's in the rather sexy painting with his balls out Yeah, um... <laughs> our new
0: favorite phrase, the Jiminy Sack. <laughs>
1: it's the name of my new band. They're opening up for GWAR tonight. Um
0: That was folks, that's the line that Mark actually texted me. <laughs> Usually when we're watching a show, we'll text each other funny lines just like, ha, that was funny. And the first thing this man texts me about season two is the line, Your father's Jiminy Sack. Yep. That's the impact this season left on him.
1: <laughs> well, you know, balls. Anyway. <laughs> Like, you know. There's supposed to be a
0: naked man <laughs> on this wall. Where are the balls?
1: D- dick and balls. I don't want to leave my kids. This is me in a nutshell, everybody. Um, anyway, the two sides of Mark Rattledge. Um Yeah, but the more poignant thing that he kind of deals with is him dealing with the trauma of the loss of his father. It was like his father, what, I think got arrested or something. And then he turns out his father was he was cheating and was like in some sort of like weird polyamorous thropple with these two other women.
0: And then, it, well, actually it was one other woman because mm-hmm. the one woman was pretending to be another woman.
1: Oh, so, that's right. Yeah. And yeah. it
0: turns out she was in an abusive marriage and Charles's father got arrested i guess for getting into a fight with the abusive husband because mm-hmm. he was trying to defend uh the, the, this was shirley mclean's uh mm-hmm. character who always puts out an amazing performance because it's shirley fucking mclean you know we this woman is a legend and it was great seeing her in this brief role. i love seeing her just play the world's biggest snob it's like where's my cocotini mm-hmm. a cocotini has coconut that has chocolate. It looks like the yeah, it just it was just so funny. I love just how Paul she plays it.
1: And then you have Mabel dealing with like the trauma with her father. And I don't recall what exactly was the issue there. But stomach cancer. Right. Okay. <laughs> I should have remembered that. Um, yeah, so he uh I guess dies of stomach cancer and she had a relationship with him and now he's gone. And so there's a lot of that going on in this show, but because the show is not necessarily a, It's one of these shows that I think deals the best with trauma by not dealing with it too much. Because here's what I think has happened in modern society is that we have now, the pendulum is now swinging too far in the other direction to where we're over-recognizing mental health. This is a big thing on TikTok. Not everyone's a narcissist. Not everyone's PTSD is going to dominate their life. We all have had we we. The human experience can be traumatizing. The difference between the difference is you are either functional or you are not functional. If you are not functional, there are resources to help you get functional. If you are functional, this shit's okay. It is okay to have been through some stuff, as long as you can function and keep going. You know, keep running up that hill, as it were and so one of the things i like about only murders in the room is that it recognizes that charles has gone through some stuff and because of that you know i think he has a line about i spent a year getting into a relationship and then x amount of time getting out of it and then like four years before i'm in before i'm involved in anything else something along those lines like clearly these relationships have affected him to the point where he makes decisions like to not talk to his daughter for eight years It kills me, though, because
0: that scene is one of my absolute favorite moments, Mm -hmm. not only because it's a wonderful speech, because Mm -hmm. the whole thing is going on while they're supposed to be on the lookout for the killer with the glitter bomb. And you see it go up (laughs) in the background and whoever triggered it gets blown back and there's all this glitter going Mm -hmm. everywhere. And the juxtaposition between this incredibly, you know, very deep. It's a nice
1: it's a nice use of foreground and mm-hmm. background yes which you it don't really get to see a lot of because you don't get a lot of creative camera work in today's uh fictional media
0: not gonna lie i actually had to rewind it because i was so wrapped up when they're saying and then right. suddenly i see this flash of red in the background I'm like what the hell and i <laughs> rewound it i'm like
1: oh I crap t- the glitter bomb. that's funny i had to re-watch it a few times too wait what am i wait what <laughs> like why is it blowing up in the background because a lot of times i'd be watching this i need to be at work you know, on my break or something or I'm watching it and 87 people are texting me and I'm like, so I'm like missing details, mm-hmm. like enough to get the gist, but that was another one where like I was like texting with people, I was watching it like on a small screen and then I see that thing blow up in the background and I'm like, hey, everything has to stop. I need to know why this is blowing up here and what this is in relation to. Um that But the, the other no, thing so is the like... The
0: fact that Oliver made a freaking glitter bomb, two pounds of <laughs> glitter, a, t- a tub of rubber cement and just a nugget of C4. <laughs> just <laughs>
1: yes. like
0: I'm gonna just going to say, where the hell did... Oliver gets C four.
1: Walmart. Listen, um, <laughs> <laughs> specifically in Florida. Um, the other, but like again, dealing with it by not dealing with it. Cribbeline from Endgame. You have Selena Gomez's character who has her own traumas, and you know, but she's functioning as an adult. Um, she, it's just causing her to be guarded with people, and then she lets her guard down. Carol Devine fucking lies to her, and she guard right back up again. So I, I like the fact that the show recognizes we are all, all struggling with mental health issues, but we are all not dysfunctional either. It's, it's a nice balance of this pulpy mystery with some reality to it. These are, these are believable, more or less, situations and characters in this show, which is a nice change of pace. Um, one of the things that I wanted to bring up before we start to close out is, um, oh, I got to talk about Amy Ryan. Amy Ryan continues to be the best actress of this entire show. She is a good old beady from The Wire.
0: She it, is great. She's only in for two episodes. she's the best. And, but she manages to seduce Charles back mm-hmm. into her little web because she is just so, she's insane. She she's really in is. She's
1: in prison. And she's like, are you breaking up with me? Mind you, she stabbed him in the first season. She was the, She was the killer.
0: Poisoned and Poisoned, stabbed. Yeah.
1: Right, right, right. But yeah, Amy Ryan, I don't know where she got the sexy seductress act from, but damn, it works.
0: I know. So the fact that he actually brings her the blueberry bagels that she wanted, and he has to (laughs) break up with her by proxy using (laughs) his stunt woman. Side note, Jane Lynch, you are a treasure.
1: That's okay. So I'm glad you said it because that triggered what I actually wanted. to. (laughs) I had to kind of vamp with Amy Ryan, but I'm glad I did because it needed mentioning. One of the things that's great about this show is the anatomy of a scene. The thing that Robert and I often talk about on DMU Hollywood is that, yes, you need times for there to be exposition explained in a a show or a movie, but you don't necessarily need it shouted at the camera dead on, okay? An anatomy of a scene is we have information that needs to be conveyed, but how are we going to do it in this visual medium that is stimulating to your audience? A really great example of this, Michael Rappaport, talking to Selena Gomez while hitting a heavy bag. Brilliant. It's subtle, but it's brilliant. Because he's trying to intimidate her, she's trying to stand up to his intimidation, and everything is done through punching a heavy bag. It's almost less about what he says to her, because a lot of what he says to her is, you're fucking stupid. You're fucking stupid. And I'll tell you Your why.
0: Your name is stupid. What kind of a name is yeah. Mabel? Mabel's an you awesome know. name. You know,
1: I'm fucking smart. I'm smart. I want my respect. Wait, that's something else. But, you know, I know, I'm fucking smart. You're not going to get me. You think you're, you know, you're not a fucking detective. I'm a detective, you know, and you, and the, there's an allusion to he got Tina Fey. Turns out it's Poppy. But there's a lot of that going on. And all Selena has to do, do is hold the bag. But there's a subtlety in her body performance in holding the bag that kind of says, you can punch me all you want. I'm not going away. I'm in your face. You don't intimidate me, motherfucker. I mean, that's great. Those scenes between uh, Amy Ryan and Steve Martin, and then to your point about uh, the the stand-in, Jane Lynch, is that her name?
0: Jane Lynch, yeah.
1: Yeah, the performance between Jane Lynch and Amy Ryan to where Jane Lynch, like, you forget that it's Jane Lynch and it feels like Steve Martin talking to Amy Ryan because Amy Ryan lets you believe that she believes it.
0: I That's, love it. that's it, it's great, great, subtle acting. Yeah, there's a couple of pages here, and it gets awfully porny. You have anything going? <laughs> oh, absolutely.
1: The point is, it, we talk about this with like professional wrestling. When the wrestlers believe it's true, they'll make you believe it's true, and that is the magic of pro wrestling. The mm-hmm. magic of drama is when everybody involved believes it's true, and so you, you as an audience are right there with them, and you forget you're watching a performance. Definitely um go ahead. so
0: let's go ahead and we're running up here in close to an hour so unless there's anything else specifically you want to talk about i think we need to talk about the ending yes. and i'm not gonna lie compared to the last season i thought this ending was just a touch contrived and just a touch confusing we get a lot of different things wrapped up pretty fast i i'm not upset about the misdirection with Cindy canning i thought I, I knew it was not going to be so easy to make right. tina fey the murderer it's like it no it's not going to happen i knew there was something else there but it does get very confusing because there's multiple layers with this painting and with the killer not only framing them but like toying with them Mm -hmm. as it were you know moving the evidence around it's like the knife that bunny is stabbed with is oliver's knife which she puts in charles's um apartment and then she takes the painting and then she moves it into charles apartment as a way to just totally screw with him and it and and then on top of it it turns out that this is all wrapped up with the pre with the podcast that's Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, had started this whole thing. All is not okay in Oklahoma. That uh, kind of launched syndicaning's Canning's career, and that's a big key. And I, am just gonna go ahead a minute. I had to wiki a few things because I was getting confused.
1: I, I'm not gonna lie. So I watched the last two episodes this morning, and I watched two or three episodes last night after I got done recording. Damn you, Hollywood! And I was so it was either late and I was posting stuff, watching in bed and falling asleep, or this morning I was being texted by 106 people, and I was like, I don't, not entirely sure what I missed here, but fuck it, Alexis will take care of it. <laughs> so take care of it.
0: Thanks, Mark. Yeah, well, yeah, no, like, no. The ending is just a touch contrived, and it's a weird thing. So they fake out the killer by thinking that Charles is dead, and Mm -hmm. I get why they're going with that, but they leave it on a cliffhanger node with a commercial break. We know he's not dead. You know, I don't mind throwing the killer for a loop, but the fact that they play it up on the show like it's a serious, dramatic moment, like, you actually expect your viewers to think this is real? Come on, guys. I, I we're mean, not that I stupid.
1: mean, they, you, they, they, they thought, we wow. they got us to think that they killed Chewbacca. You know, some people, I'm sure, bought it.
0: So... Either way, so the killer's revealed. Krebs has found out to be a dirty cop. I am mm. glad we got more of Detective Williams. She is not as big on this season as she was last one, which I missed her, but I, oh my God, I love the bit with her coming in with her baby and pretending she doesn't know a chorus line. And this actress is a West End performer.
1: Yeah, of course I know chorus line
0: that was great when she launches into this song Mm -hmm. oh my god i love that but then we get our cliffhanger for the next season Mm -hmm. this has been renewed for a third season and this i think this third season is going to be interesting because it looks like we're going to do an in media res style with a flashback this picks up one year later oliver is directing a play on broadway that charles is in and it's not Paul Rudd, but Paul Rudd's playing the role, and he is playing a jerk.
1: Yeah, which ben, is Ben Ben Glowroy is the character's name.
0: Yeah, I really want to see Steve Martin and Paul Rudd on Broadway together now.
1: <laughs> All right, so I, let's go back. Um, I yes, it was contrived, but I think the so much of this series is them bubbling around and then you know at, you know falling up. There's not a lot of ingenuity or intuitivism in what they're doing they kind of figure some things out but a lot of stuff gets just told to them or falls in their lap so the fact that as the heroes of this picture they set up a trap to catch the villain to where they're they're gonna misdirect they're gonna they're gonna point hard at cara Delvine vine for a second time in this show and they're gonna make Everyone in the room believe that that's where they're going so that the real killer was like, no, you fools. It was me. It was me all along, Austin. Um, I was the author of all your pain, James. Get on with it. Sorry. I got lost in my own clips.
0: That's the second <laughs> time you've done that clip in your head.
1: Uh-huh. Um, I actually meant to do it was me, Austin. It was me all along. But out came it was me, James. I was the author of all your pain. I watch way too much wrestling in movies. Anyway. <laughs> that's
0: your job. <laughs>
1: true no never mind um so i but i didn't mind it because again it's 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 you've seen this done a million times before i like the fact that it gave it's something that these three people would have thought of because it is such a known thing to do the fact that someone was dumb enough to fall for it we can sit here and debate the merits of but you know sometimes and this is a thing that happens too sometimes you know, you talk about and i think they even mentioned it earlier on with nina a guilty conscience is a is a heavy weight to carry around, and sometimes people are just ready to confess. All that you need is a little push. They pushed. She confessed. Does it happen in real life? Meh, not really. But, you know, it's fine for a drama. And I was okay with it, and I thought everyone kind of played their roles well, and I thought it's a fun scene. Yeah, you don't really buy that Steve Martin's dead, but who cares? Um... As far as the ending ending sort of the, the post credit ending with Paul Rudd and Steve Martin. I'm intrigued by the antagonism. The fact that, you know, <laughs> I know what you did. Ooh, that's like screenwriting 101 right there. Um, you know, I, I, I had a line that I was going to try to like work backwards from for a screenplay and the opening line was going to be I've come here to kill you and the other guy goes you're late. I just couldn't figure out like how to make that work. Like, well, how did we get to this place, you know? you better back off why what are you gonna do about it i know what you did Ooh, what did he do now i'm intrigued season three everybody
0: like i said they build it up they talk about oh this has been such a crazy year so this is gonna be with a lot of flashbacks we're gonna see what this last year has entailed where things have gone Mm -hmm. with this new character ben who i'm guessing died of poisoning considering he's got the blood coming out of his mouth and everything definitely
1: wasn't stabbed this time
0: No, not this time. (laughs) And I am so looking forward to Paul Rudd being on this show next season. Would it have
1: been funny if he turned the dust? (laughs) Shut up, Thanos. I'll fucking do it myself. Just give me a minute here.
0: (sighs) Thank
1: you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs)
0: Thank you. All right. Uh, oh, I almost forgot. We were talking before about a couple of stylized episodes. I mentioned the one about from Bunny's point of view. I also we get a great one with uh, an, a party that Mabel ends up throwing for her artist friends, and Oliver comes in with this 1970s. Uh, it's essentially a murder mystery game, right? But they, cu- but they. They show it with them all dressed up in 70s garb, mm-hmm. which is so much fun, very stylistic choice. We get a great bit you mentioned before with Teddy coming back to help uh, Mabel, and she does not speak. She doesn't know sign. Right. She's the only person she, she keeps, and he only gets like so much of what she's saying when he reads her lips. So I love this brief bit where he writes down what he's saying to her, and you actually see the text layered over the scene it's Mm -hmm. beautifully done very creative
1: yeah the director of photography in this really should be applauded Mm -hmm. there's some really exceptional camera work in this which is something we only talk about in big blockbusters because that's the one that everyone sees that's what everyone notices and when it's not robot balls swinging in your face you know people will react to a really well shot scene what gets neglected is something like this because it's not going to be known for its camera work. But the camera work in this is really done well. It's something that needs to be called out.
0: Mm-hmm. And, of course, we get the blackout episode. We get a whole freaking blackout through New York. We have everyone. I, I love all of the people in the Arconia bitching about it. It's like, well, don't you have a generator? What can you do about it? And they're just like, will you people chill out?
1: This is not our first blackout
0: no it's not new york has a history of blackouts. Well,
1: you know and when every light is on they can fucking you know uh light up the sun yes occasionally you're gonna burn something out and there's gonna be a blackout
0: we got that we got lucy hiding in the hidden uh tunnels and everything around the throughout the building we got our main characters climbing up with oliver carrying 50 pounds of dip <laughs> quoting a freaking line from last of the mohicans when he has to leave it behind <laughs> i think that was last of the mohicans mm-hmm, yeah that's what, mm-hmm. i think that's what that line was so this yeah this is a a wonderful series we really can't recommend it enough we're thrilled that it's going to get a third season uh like i said it just got renewed this summer we don't they haven't announced yet when- i'll tell you
1: this it's one of the few i'm willing to keep doing Yeah, uh, because I have I have cold stopped on a lot of TV shows. And if you pick them up, that's great. But like there's there's stuff that I started like Umbrella Academy, for example. I'm not doing the third season. If you do it with somebody else, that's fine. But like I I, there's just a lot of these. I just don't want to go back to lock and key Robert Winfrey's Christmas present. I'm not making him do season three. This is one of the few where partially because it's you and you know, you can record during the day when I'm not typically busy but also because it's one of those shows I'm willing to keep talking about because there is something to talk about. You know, you, you, you can't drag me into most fucking Marvel or Star Wars shows because it's all tripe. You hear that MCU's Bleeding Ledge? It's all shit. But, you know, and unless there's a busy businesswoman who don't need no man and there's a talk about feminism, I ain't coming. That's a that's a plug for our She-Hulk review. Um, but I'll talk about this. This this has some meat on the bones
0: definitely not to mention this is a show it, it is rated ma it is mature there is a lot of graphic language but this is still a show that i think so many people can enjoy this is one of the few tv shows that i love just as much as my family loves mm-hmm. my parents have my who have access to my hulu account we gave them our password and like
1: it's written for mature adults and i don't mean like you know elder people i just mean like this doesn't so much of what we talk about feels like it's written for fucking seven year olds. It feels nice to be able to watch a show mm-hmm. where, you know, not everyone's being raped and murdered, but it still feels like it's for an adult.
0: But yeah, this is a show my parents love, show my sister loves, show we love. It is mm-hmm. great. It is funny. We're thrilled. We can't wait for the third season. We're going to have mm-hmm. a lot of fun with that. Were there any other points you wanted to bring up uh, nope, or good. have we covered everything? Nope, I'm good. Alright, so yes, if you've got Hulu, please check this show out. You are not going to be sorry. It is so much fun. And on that note, I believe we are going to move into plugs.
1: Well, you know, Alexis can't stand to be apart from me. It's true. Alexis loves me. She, she plays coy, but she loves me. And she's always like, when are we talking about something else, Mark? When, Mark? When, I'm like, all right, you're, you're a little obsessive, Alexis Haina of Honeysuckle Rose Creations, but I'm you know, obsessed
0: about my job. The fact that you come with it is <laughs>
1: just I believe just
0: my, just my albatross to bear.
1: <laughs> We're gonna go with my theory. Alexis Haina loves recording with me and can't bear to be apart from me. So next week, our <laughs> noon recording, our little uh our little dalliance de- <laughs> in the day, uh, is Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story. Why are you making me talk about this?
0: Because apparently there has been a lot of people who threw fits because since Evan Peters is such an amazing actor, there has now been a lot of people who have suddenly got interested in Dahmer, including a very disturbing amount of Reddit uh, feeds about how attractive the real Dahmer was and how cute he was. Oh, apparently and he this... was a
1: cutie patootie. Have you not seen the Zac Efron version of this?
0: That was Ted Bundy, different serial killer.
1: Oh, were they really? Were they all just like supermodel attractive?
0: Actually, there is something to a lot of the serial killers that they were—they use their good looks and charm to lure their victims. This isn't an isolated thing.
1: Got it. Moving on. So wait, yeah. you're making me talk about this because there's meat on the bone and something to talk about?
0: There is. Fantastic. There's been a lot of controversy with that series. It's impacted. There's been a lot of talk from the uh, va- the families of the victims mm-hmm. on whether or not they were consulted for this. And either way, it is a very, very intense series that I do think deserves to be discussed.
1: Works for me. All right. Working backwards. um, This past weekend, we had some canned ham for you. Myself and Sean and Benjamin J. Colon. When are you getting him on the Talk Sandman? Have you figured that out yet?
0: Not yet. I talked to him actually last night because I thought he was going to come on our discussion tonight of uh, Midnight Club.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But he has not... I haven't finished the season yet either, but he hasn't. He doesn't have time to,
1: gotcha. Uh,
0: you know, fit all that in.
1: All right. So speaking of fitting it all in, um, we dropped two. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, we dropped two episodes. Of, I got a disclaimer now. I can get away with that. Uh, we dropped two episodes of our Long Road to Ruin series from back in the before times uh, of the Crow, the original Crow and the Crow uh, City of Angels was part one and then crow salvation and crow wicked prayer i believe was part two it dropped on sunday the 16th we got black adam coming out this friday the first major motion picture for superhero motion picture uh to hit the big screen since thor love and thunder which came out in july so in honor of that me and jesse talked for five minutes about world war Three, and the rest of the time i just i just made dick jokes because that's me on source material check it out hey it's a return of the gag reel the gag reel, Alexis Haina. You know about that gag reel. You've experienced the gag reel, haven't you? Multiple times. Yeah, you've been on that gag reel multiple times. Well, um, this so- is why
0: we love Jesse. He's the only one of us who actually edits.
1: <laughs> um, there's always the best part of source material, if you ask me. So check out uh, the World War Three source material featuring Black Adam that Jesse and I discussed. That dropped on Monday. Monday night... Uh, the misfit, the misfit and miscreant himself, Ronnie Adams and I talked the of Michael Myers trilogy that is Return, Revenge, and Curse of Michael Myers, plus H two O, and that, my friends, outside of the Rob Zombie ones, is all the Halloween movies. I am done with this series. The last night
0: is done with the series. Trust me.
1: <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, last night, uh, speaking of which, Ronnie came back for a second time for he's the glutton for punishment. He, uh, Robert Winfrey, and I reviewed Halloween Ends. Tonight, uh, Alexis Haina and Robert Winfrey are beginning to discussing Midnight Club, as she said. Jason and Teasley
0: may be joining with us. Uh, he has his voice back. Yeah, feel better, man.
1: All right, this weekend, it's all Hannibal Lecter all the time. We have the two-part Long Road to Ruin on the Hannibal Lecter movies. First part is Silence of the Lambs, and then uh, I believe the second one. one is Hannibal. No, yeah, Hannibal. And then part two, which drops on Sunday, is Red Dragon and... Oh, gosh. What is the uh, Hannibal Rising was the fourth one. Um, And then Robert did an Everyone Loves a Bad Guy, a solo run on Everyone Loves a Bad Guy talking about Hannibal Lecter. Might have been the most popular one, the most downloaded one in the before times that he's ever done. So give it a listen. It'll be good stuff. When I get back from seeing Black Adam with my kids, uh, we will review it on Monday the 24th. And then, as I said, our our afternoon dalliance, me and Alexis Haina, will be reviewing Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, at noon on Tuesday. Hey, the Superblog team-up goes to hell. I don't know if you know that, Alexis, but it does. And uh, myself and Pat Mullen, our contribution to the Superblog team-up, which then went to hell, is Hell Comes to Frogtown, starring Rowdy Roddy Piper. We did a commentary track for that. Um, Jesse's entry for the Superblog team up is Batman Punisher, Lake of Fire, according to the schedule. And, um, I'm not sure if you're recording anything next week, but, uh, that's about it. That's all You mean I besides got. Dahmer? Besides Dahmer. Yeah, I don't know if you've got anything else with any other of your other boyfriends that you're recording with. So, um... <laughs>
0: I hate to say it, I might be taking a little bit of next week off because this weekend for Honeysuckle Roast Creations, where Fashion Meets Phantom at the intersection of Geek and Cheek, we are making our appearance at our final convention of the year. This is Anime Nebrascon in Omaha, Nebraska. This is one of the biggest anime shows in the Midwest. If you're in the area, come check it out. It's going to be a lot of fun. But yes, after this, I am taking a nice little sabbatical which basically means i'm probably going to just sleep on my couch for two days straight (laughs) (laughs) okay then i'm fully aware of my limits so but yes uh, of course our shops are still open on etsy and handmade at amazon you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter a reminder that we are getting ready for our big black friday sale and that we will be doing our charity drive from Black Friday to Christmas Eve for every order that is placed from both of our online shops, we will donate $5 to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. And of course if you're also in the Midwest area, you can check out our stuff at Level 1 Game Shop Mind Games and Magic in Lee Summit and now Smallville Toys and Comics in Hutchison, Kansas. So again, that's Honeysuckle Rose Creations, the intersection of geek and chic.
1: Alright, hey, you're this is your show. Take me home, baby doll. Am I pressing the button or are you pressing the button? No, honey, you can press my buttons anytime. I'm playing with my phone.
0: Okay, then I'm... No, seriously, I was (laughs) like, am I pressing the end button or are you pressing the end button? That was an honest question.
1: Listen, you're a busy businesswoman who don't need no man. Press the fucking buttons already.
0: Be well, be safe, behave.